Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle Wright. Join me as we blast off into the music universe. Oh, Matt, we're in a country mood today, aren't we? Oh, we're having fun. We're having fun. Michelle Wright, 90s country, Canadian country music hall of famer, just a, a, a really iconic career. And she's celebrating it with her new album, Milestone. Yeah, it's, uh, man, shockingly, you know, 30 years has passed since uh, Take It Like a Man came out and, uh, you know, 92, and it did a lot of great success for her, started her, really launched her career. You know, she, mm -hmm. she had a successful first album a couple of years prior, and then this one really just took her to new heights and uh, super glad that we got to have a formal interview with her. I know you chatted with her on your most recent trip to Nashville, but it was so brief that uh, I don't think they had announced the album at that point, had they? No, we, we talked about it. We talked a little bit about Milestone. They hadn't formally announced it, hadn't sent yeah. out a press release or anything, but uh, we talked a little bit about it. I don't think the single had been announced or released because as you'll hear that came out June 24th and I was right. down there for CMA Fest, which was the 9th through the 11th, 12th, somewhere in there. 12th, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, really, really cool things developing from that project. And as you, as you heard, as you'll hear her say, uh, and as we talked about at the CMA Fest uh, that she re-recorded her biggest hit, Take It Like a Man, for Milestone to celebrate the 30th anniversary of that song. Canadian Country Music Hall of Famer, Michelle Wright, welcome to the Music Universe podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute joy to have you. I uh, loved your music since Take It Like a Man came out in, what, 93, I guess. So we got a new album you've got coming out. Tell us about it. Well, the album came out in 1992 with Take It Like a Man on it. So this year we are celebrating with the release of my new album, Milestone. We are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the release of, of that album that changed my life. So very excited to be sharing new music with everybody. And uh, Milestone comes out August 26th. August 26th. Yeah, and uh, now and then, actually, like you said, 92, and it's double platinum by the RIAA. Yes, yeah, yep, lots of support. That was uh, that was my second album on Arista Records, and, uh, of course, we had our, you know, they, I felt a, a nice warm embrace from the uh, American uh, music industry on my first album, and we really needed to hit a home run with that second one, and... Uh, uh, with the release of Take It Like a Man, the support was wonderful. Now, yeah. when you were when you were recording the album, did you could you sense then in during the creative process that you had something really special that was going to do really really well uh, at the time? Gosh, I don't know if I I will, let me just share something with you that I remember logging in my in my mind after we recorded the track for Take It Like a Man. We were sitting in the uh, in the uh, master room after. What's, I'm trying to think of the name of the right in the in the room where the board is. Uh, after the guys came out of the booths and we all gathered in the uh, in the main room there to to listen to the playback, 
And Lonnie Anderson, the guitar or the drummer said, if that's not a hit, I'm going to sell shoes for a living. And I was looking down at my notes and I didn't look up. I didn't say, really, do you think it is? I just, I just quietly logged that into my memory. So Lonnie was right that it was definitely a hit. And one of the fun things about we re-recorded Take It Like a Man for the Milestone album. So we stayed very true to the original uh, and same key, uh, you know, same vibe, same tempo and everything just freshened up the production. And we actually used four of the six original musicians that played on the track originally. And Lonnie was one of them. And uh, he he played the same snare drum that he played on that track 30 years ago. Oh, so, wow. You know, we felt like we had a hit with Take It Like a Man and uh, and uh, and and we were right. So you never know. I don't know as a, as a I, I guess I don't go there too much because then you're I don't know, you set yourself up for disappointment or whatever. You just do the best you can. And it will be what it will be, even if the ding dang record is the greatest thing that anybody ever made. You never know what's going to happen. So. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, you were the first Canadian born artist in the modern area of country music to have a top 10 hit in America, a number one video on CMT in the US and a major market US industry award. So congrats on that. When you went in to, and talking about like recording and knowing things, uh, were you concerned at all about what they call the sophomore slump that most artists are concerned with? Because I mean, this this album obviously skyrocketed you. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I will say that it first, in fact, I was the fir first Canadian after Anne Murray to do all of those things. Of course, I, I look back on Anne Murray's career and what an extraordinary career she had. And then to be able to follow in her footsteps some 30 years later or so was wonderful. And yes, it, it was very important uh, to do you know, I was really lucky to be with Arista Records because there was so much support there. And Tim didn't put a whole lot of pressure on Tim Dubois, who was the, the head of Arista Nashville. He didn't really throw that stuff around too much about putting a bunch of pressure on the artist. He just always said, you know, do your best and we'll support you and what will be will be. But of course, I knew that it was very, very important that I have a hit so, uh, you know, we, we had one, so that was beautiful. We had a couple. Mm -hmm. so it's timeless. So let's fast forward to today. Talk about the genesis of Milestone. What inspired the writing? What inspired the songs you picked? What inspired tying it back to the 30th anniversary of Now and Then and Take It Like a Man and, and making this album a celebration of your career? Yeah. Well, you know, it sort of just came, uh, my, my man, I'd started working on a record to release like in around 2000. I started in, in 2019 working on a record to release in 2000. And then uh, COVID hit. And of course, all of us sort of had to stop in our tracks and figure out what, what we're going to do with, you know, music plans that we had. And so we sort of just stopped because I wasn't sure how I was going to record. Where was I going to go sing? Couldn't go into the studio, as we all know, you know. Um, so we paused. And then when we started feeling things lift a little bit and seeing that uh, 
producers and musicians were coming up with ways of recording remotely and making all that music happen, uh, regardless of whether we were all together in a room in a studio. And so uh, my manager and I got talking. And then, then the next thing we knew, we were like, oh, my gosh, you know, 2022 is the 30th anniversary of this of Take It Like a Man. And we were just like, we have to do something. So we made the decision that the, the song I had written a couple of songs in 2019. And and so we're going to review all those the things I'd been writing and just the music that I was looking for, for the project that we thought we'd be putting out in about 2000. and. Uh, before we knew it, we had an album that we felt enough music that we felt that we could go into the studio and we could meet that deadline uh, to celebrate uh, the uh, uh, 30th anniversary of the release of Take It Like a Man. And so then we we re got recording a bunch of music and and then we got talking about what the record title should be. And I said, well, this is quite a milestone in my career. So I wonder what we'll call the record. And, and my manager and I were just like, oh. How about Milestone? Let's call the record Milestone. So it just all unfolded really organically. And I had I had a lot of these songs, actually, a couple few of them I've had for over 20 years that I held on to waiting for the right time. And uh, this was the right time. Yeah, and I've recorded several records, but the, the record is very... Uh, sort of R&B, Motown, soul country, you know, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, if you listen to all my records, there's an element of that because I was raised across the border from Detroit and my parents were country music singers and performers. So I was raised on the greats of country music and, and I listened to a lot of Motown. And I knew that someday I'd want to make a record that really uh, uh, um, embraced those two influences. And so I had a few songs that I'd written, a few songs I'd held on from other writers. And uh, and and again, some of them were I've been holding on for 20 years to them. So we finally recorded them. Wow. And that that's what amazes me about just music in general. Like it can be 20, 30, however many years old and you could put it out and it's fresh to everybody, including the artists sometimes. You know, and I have to share something. I, I absolutely. And, and so Delbert McClinton put out a song in 1989 called I'm With You. And it is so cool. I love the minute I saw the video on CMT and I loved the song. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, if someday I can record that song, I'm going to record that song. And here I am recorded that song. It's on this record. And I literally heard I heard it in 1989. And I was like, someday I'm going to record that song from a woman's point of view, although it's exactly the same lyric and everything, but it's perfect for a woman too to sing. And so here it is in 2022, it's on my record. So that's an example of a song that I love that I always wanted to record. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And then um, Small Town is a new single, just came out uh, on June 24th. It was uh, written by yourself and uh, Rick Farrell. And uh, I hope I say the last name right, Danielle Bouchard. 
good for you because I'm, I'm <laughs> she's a Canadian with a beautiful French last name and even I mess it up every now and then you did perfect oh thank yeah, Danielle is an up-and-coming uh, Canadian artist and a brilliant songwriter and Rick is an American uh, a songwriter and and, her, and and Danielle and I had met at a party a couple of weeks before getting together and she said we need to get together and write and I said absolutely let's do that so she said, hey, do you want to jump in on this session that I've got set up with Rick? And I said, sure, let's do it. So a couple of weeks later, I showed up and we were hanging out and she was asking me questions about my career because she's an up and comer now. And I've you know, got a few uh, few decades under my belt. And she was like, so tell me some fun things. And I said, well, you know, I've. Yeah, I've, I've, I've sang at the World Series and I did the Jay Leno show and I've traveled around the world and it's just been a wonderful journey. And I just wish you all the best, Danielle. And she said, that's what we need to write about today. And I said, no, 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 not going to write about me and myself. That's just not something I'm going to write about right now. And she said, yeah, we're going to write that. Let's write that. And I kept we were joking back and forth. I was like, no, Danielle, I'm not going to write about me. And she said, oh, please, can we just, you know, so, you know, I, I said the opening line is uh, doesn't seem that long ago. I hit the road with my guitar playing six nights a week, paying dues in smoky bars because I played the clubs six nights a week for nine years before I even got my record deal. And wow. back in those days, you know, people could sit there and smoke in the bars. And so <laughs> so it just sort of organically unfolded. And uh and then we went in the studio to do, to do the demo. And I said, this has got to have a Motown feel to it. And so we laid down a, a real cool Motown groove and, uh, and the song just came together. And I'm so proud of it. And I'm so happy that uh, Danielle said, let's record it. I, I'm a small town girl. I'm a farmer's daughter from a town uh, just across the Detroit border called Merlin, Ontario. It's a population of 500. And uh, so... I'm a little bit of small town edge of the border is the beginning of the chorus, you know, so it worked out great. I love that. I love that. It, is it fair to say because of all of those years you have under you, as you said, that this is perhaps maybe the most personal record that you've, that you've done? I wonder, you know, there's, it, it is very personal. You know what? All my records are very personal. You can listen to all of my records and know a little bit about what was going on in my life or had gone on. And so this record too is absolutely is a, is a, oh, a, a bit of a, 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 an expression of myself and where I'm at at this time in my life or, or just again, songs that I just have connected with that were, that I really felt were a part of me, you know? So I, I, I think all my records are very personal. I will say this record came together probably easier than any record I've ever made. And I think that has a lot to do with, well, my producer, Bob Funk was extraordinary. He's a Canadian guy. He's a friend of mine. He's actually my best friend's husband. Uh, and Patricia Conroy is a, is a fellow Canadian as well. And uh, she sang harmonies on the record and we wrote a song together. And uh, But Bob Funk really, really helped me too. But I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I knew exactly how I wanted it to sound. And uh, and Bob helped me make that happen. And he worked very hard. So I don't want to take away from the hours and hours that a producer puts into a record. But I feel like this uh, record came together in a way that I've not experienced before. 
Yeah, and and you mentioned earlier that you had four of the six original musicians on Take It Like a Man. Did was the, most of the album recorded in Nashville, or was it back and forth between Canada and Nashville? You know what? It was between Canada and Nashville, and it was done remotely. And and you know, boy, that is one thing about technology today. And and just as we were uh, coming sorting out how to work. Uh, amongst the COVID uh, pandemic and everything. And so Bob, my producer would, was sending it off to guys in Vancouver and, and, and Muscle Shoals and Nashville and uh, Toronto and all over the place. And, and then of course the tracks would come back and he put it all together. So it was a, it was, it was a, a North American effort. That's for sure. That always fascinates me how yeah. you could be in one spot and make all these tracks from around the world and everybody I, you know too, obviously yeah everyone had to learn to to do that which i know was out of the ordinary for a lot of artists i know def leppard did that in different continents around the world right last album so it's it's really and it's interesting because when it comes when it comes together you can't really tell yes you know? and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i think time will We'll sort that out for, for music creation, but it certainly is, is wonderful that it comes together and becomes seamless. And you know what? And that's because music, musicians, you know, uh, I, I just finished a show this weekend and my one of my, I've got two guitar players and one of my guitar uh, players got COVID and couldn't come and do it. So another mm. musician friend of mine just jumped in with no rehearsal. And these guys just sandbagged on Facebook whenever they could or FaceTime or whatever they could to try to pull the music together. And it, it just amazes me. That's that speaks to the musicians out there because you you're right they, they they hear the stuff and they put their heart and their emotion into the into the track and mm -hmm. and and it comes together like like magic I I feel like it is and you can't tell that we weren't all in a room together because because uh, the quality of the musicians that are out there that we work with are it's just wonderful you know well and I think you see that that all the time in Nashville. I, I mean, unless I'm wrong and forgive me if I am, when I saw you at the palace for country for a cause, which we have uh, info about on the site, uh, you got up there, you were backed by a band and I don't think you guys rehearsed. I mean, you no. had sound check, but I yeah. think it was just get up there and, and go. And it's and incredible. Again, yeah. Another, another Testament to those, because those guys that were in that band are all got some pretty, pretty high, uh, high uh, uh, notches on their belt of, of artists that they've worked with and, and, and records they've played on. And yeah, it's a blessing that the musicians, they, they, they wrap us singers up and, and, and take us along, you know, help us do what we do. Yeah. And uh, you're obviously back to playing live shows. Um, do you have uh, dates scheduled through the end of the year? No, right now we're booked up until the end of October. Yeah. And actually looking at a couple of dates in December in Mississippi. So hopefully we can pull all that together. Yeah. It's all just starting to open up again for us. And, uh, and with having the new music out, that's really fun too. Cause we're getting, you know, getting some work through that. I'm out touring in support of that record. So it's great. Well, I have to ask, I don't see anything in, in my notes, but, you know, vinyl's a big thing now. Is this going to be available on vinyl? 
we don't have any plans to do that right now, but I will tell you my very first album was vinyl. So I, my, I recorded my first album in 1985 and we released wow. it in 1987. So I made a vinyl album and then of course moved on to CDs and, and now into the digital age. And so I've sort of been able to, to put music out through all those uh, decades of, 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 uh, of uh, approaches that we've been taking. And at this point, we don't have any, any uh, uh, plans to do vinyl. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? This, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, I'm excited for the whole album. It's going to be a lot of fun, really. It really is a fun record. There, there, there's a couple of songs there that'll tear at your heartstrings and then a, a several that'll just make you feel good, you know? That's great. Yeah. That's great. yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And uh, people can check out your website. It's michelle-write.com for the latest tour dates, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. And come say hi on my socials. You know, I love to, I love to just stay connected. It's wonderful. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I used to sit on the back of the tour bus and write fan letters in by hand to, <laughs> to, to the fans, you know, so I really love this immediate way of being able to be connected. So come say hi. That's awesome. I'm sure. And I'm sure we will see you on the road. Michelle Wright, what a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so very much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Milestone out August 26th at uh, digital outlets and uh, CD. And uh, it's going to be great to have her hopefully back on the airwaves and uh, tearing up the uh, U.S. with her tour dates. If, you know, outside, hopefully the Mississippi ones, because I know she's got a slew of them in her homeland of Canada right now. Right. And uh, I noticed you mentioned you mentioned something I wanted to talk about, which was the sophomore slump. And I don't know, how true is that? Because you got Garth Brooks with uh, No Fences. Little Big Town had Pontoon and Tornado, I think was on their sophomore album. Um, a lot of times nowadays from the 90s onward, it seems like artists really become known once they hit and they really start to get their label support and the PR support once they have their sophomore album. I think John Party really hit it big with his sophomore album. I think it was uh, Dirt on These Boots and all that stuff, mm -hmm. I think was off the second album. I could be wrong. I don't know chronology off the top of my head, but I know that came out while I was living in New York and he was doing a big press tour for it. So how much truth is there really to the sophomore slump idea in music? Well, and it might be just an old adage that just, kind of stuck with me because you know you say some artists a lot of them actually did not get known till their second album tim mcgraw is one of them not right. a moment too soon was his sophomore album and his self-titled was his first which was made up of just a bunch of uh, up-tempo songs that you know memory lane i think was like the biggest hit from that and um you know it i i, I don't know because a lot of artists sometimes do not get that second chance if they don't you know do well the first time and uh you know for example bon jovi had two albums before their their mm -hmm. junior <laughs> their their junior album whatever you want to call it the third album slippery when wet really launched them into superstardom so it really depends but that's just a term you know i've heard throughout the years of the music industry and it, it's there i mean you know mm -hmm. 
Um, it's because I'm sure it's happened. And the irony is, we can't think about it. We don't. We can't right. name any because they slumped and they disappeared. Well, so, well, a, a lot of it too is because let's say let's take Sugarland for example. You know, they were huge yeah. with with their debut with Baby Girls. So now they have to follow it with an either equally impressive album or bigger album than the previous. So that's what that technically means. You know that you you release your debut album you want to follow it with a strong or even st stronger album than previously because then that's where you kind of start to slump and then and if your first album way. kind of stays off the radar you have a better chance of really launching with your sophomore album makes sense right makes sense. so it yeah that's that's more where that comes from but uh you know i i don't recall any offhand that have had that issue lately but um you know i i think that uh, it's in a lot of people's minds, especially as an artist, you go in recording, you know, hey, I gotta, I gotta do better than the last one because, you know, she had on her debut album, <laughs> Michelle did, with her first major release with Arista, you know, New Kind of Love became the first top 30 American hit, but her debut, um, Do Right By Me, had seven charting singles and sold over 40,000 albums. But it wasn't until her debut release in 90 with her self-titled that, you know, she she became known to American audiences. So still impressive for a debut album to have seven charting singles. Like, my gosh, that's a lot. That's awesome. All right. Well, for the Music Universe, I'm Matt. And um, buddy, thanks for listening and watching. Be sure to hit that like, subscribe, and share button. Again, it's always free with us. And uh, be sure to check out themusicuniverse.com for the latest news and reviews. And check us out on socials at The Music Uni. Take care. Uh -huh.